The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. And welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. I'm your host, John Kane. You know, on our programming this month, we've decided to uh, talk to a few people who have been in the ministry for extraordinarily long times, uh, 59, 60 years in some cases. And in other cases, we're talking to pastors of very large congregations. And today with us on the program, we have the Reverend Bill Tucker. Bill is the senior pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to the program, Bill. Thank you very much, John. Good to be with you. So tell us a little bit about Concordia and how long you've been there. You've been there more than a generation, haven't you? Yeah, I've been here. Uh, it'll be 23 years in the fall. Uh, I love this ministry. Uh, Concordia is a very large congregation. In fact, by the measure of our church body, I think it's the largest. Uh, we've got somewhere between nine and 10,000 members. Uh, we have a, a staff between uh, 150 and 170. And uh, it's a it's a wonderful ministry with all kinds of different uh, parts and pieces and uh, places where we serve and lots and lots of engagement in sharing the gospel. So the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is one of those top 10 uh, denominations in the United States. and uh, But still, at, at the size that you're talking about, that is definitely rarefied air. Uh, and and that's the point of this interview is uh, from from your perspective, which is um, the perspective of uh, you know seeing things from twenty thousand feet, perhaps uh, talking about this time after um, after COVID and and that uh, the style of what works to encourage people because there's a lot of hopelessness or a lot of anxiety that we that we face now and connecting that to uh, to faith. So what what would you say are some of the more, more vital ministries? Yeah, you know, again, it's there. So there are lots of different ministries in a congregation our size and lots of different ways that that we uh, share the gospel, lots of ways we try to serve uh, and use our gifts and talents. Um, you know, a couple that are unique to Concordia and, and I, you know, I hear this, I hear this frequently. Uh, that that may be not as obvious. One is our stewardship ministry. You know, Concordia is a ministry that that from a financial standpoint, we do very very little fundraising. We we preach tithing. You know, that's a biblical principle, and the idea of the word tithing is a churchy word. What it means is the the first ten percent of what we receive, uh, we return to the Lord, and so we preach about and talk about tithing. Um, but one of the amazing things about that is that it that it not only is a wonderful way to uh, fund the ministry of Concordia, but what I love the most about tithing is that it that it has a promise associated with it, and that promise is God says in Malachi chapter three, "Test me and see." And, and so the beauty of tithing is that not only not only does it is it calling people to faithfulness and to an adventure in faith, but what happens is people grow in their faith because. It's one of those absolutely unmistakable 
uh, tangible ways that God shows up day after day, week after week, month after month in people's lives. And, and, you know, what do we measure more carefully than our money? So if we're giving 10% and God says, I'm going to more than make up for that 10%, we're surely going to know it. And, uh, and so I love the whole, uh, the whole stewardship ministry that we have. Uh, John, we're very, we're very committed to our retreat ministry. Uh, we have a, a ministry called STARS. Uh, in fact, it's a ministry that's been duplicated in other congregations as well. It's, uh, if our listeners are familiar with the Axe Retreat or the Emmaus Walk, it has some similar components to that. And what I love about the STARS Retreat Ministry is that it has literally transformed the culture of our congregation. Um, people, people go off on these retreats and they come back, I like to say the 2.0 version of themselves, just better and stronger in their faith. They've, they've begun to build relationships with other Christian people. Uh, it, it's a wonderful ministry. And um, I, think, I think at this point we have, I'd have to do the math again, but I, I think we've got somewhere in the vicinity of twelve to 1,500 people who have been through the STARS retreat. And it's, it has a, a very significant effect on our congregation. Probably the most outward-facing uh, ministry that, that uh, impacts our community is something we call Love SA. And this was born out of COVID. Uh, you know, during the COVID time and, and when we were beginning to recover and coming back, we were trying to figure out how to get people back in the pew uh, for church. And we we're trying to figure out how to get volunteers back into serving. And as we thought about it and prayed about it and brainstormed and talked with other church leaders, what we did was come up with a, a plan called or a program called Love SA, Love San Antonio. And the idea was to call our congregation to serve here at Concordia. So Sunday morning service during the week kind of service, but also service in our community in various not-for-profit agencies, uh, serving uh, in, in the food bank, uh, you know, the hands-on kinds of things, as well as serving on boards and another kind of administrative roles. And what has happened, John, is that it has become such a, a cornerstone for ministry here at Concordia, where we talk about service uh, and we engage people in service, and it's uh, it's an everyday part of our language. You know, people expect updates. We have all kinds of new things that happen, and so I love I love serve essay or love essay. So you've you've indicated you've got stewardship, you've got a spiritual development um, course with the stars, and then you've got uh, ways of service. Uh, in all of these, you have higher expectations of people than just being uh, observers. Rather, they are participants in the ministry. Would that be safe to say? Oh, absolutely. In fact, there, the two things that we talk about, we talk about, there are a number of things we ask all of our folks to do, but the two things that we talk about all the time is number one, to be daily in God's word, uh, that, that we're, you're part of a, a reading plan and that you're in God's word, whether that's something on the version Bible or whether it's a, we, we put out a, 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 a scripture reading plan each year at Concordia. So we ask people to be in the word daily and we ask people to find a place to serve, uh, to use their gifts and talents uh, and to begin. And we've got staff and volunteers that help them sort of identify opportunities and places they may fit. And then the, the, real, the real magic is that when people serve, you celebrate with them, you know, the, the things that work. And if it doesn't work, you don't give up. 
You help them find another opportunity, another place, another way that they can use their gifts and talents. And the beauty of that is that people really discover that there's a that there's another reason to live. Uh, I know that sounds maybe maybe like I'm being dramatic, but you know. There are a lot of people who are kind of just going along day after day and they're looking for purpose and they're looking for meaning, something that's more significant than just bringing home a paycheck and uh, turning on the TV each night. And when they when they discover these opportunities to serve and the communities that come with it and that they're using their gifts and talents, it is amazingly powerful in blessing their lives and, like I say, giving them that sense of meaning. It's it's really encouraging when we think that God has allowed us to be in part of the family business, we might say, where he has saved us first uh, and given us opportunity second. Uh, so uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, uh, that yeah. that opportunity for us to to uh, walk with God and grow not only for ourselves, but to uh, to help others. John, Sometimes you, you, we, you we actually talk. put your finger on something we talk about because uh, we, we love to talk about Ephesians 2, 8, 9 as it leads to verse 10. And we love the New Living Translation version of that, where it says, you know, so 8 and 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the free gift of God, lest anyone should boast. And then verse 10 says, for you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God planned in advance for you. Uh, and, and so we love to remind people that not only are we saved, but that God literally knew that he would save us and has this whole masterpiece life, which is defined by service and, and love and caring, that he's got it planned out for us, that we're invited to just walk that each day. And that's a joyful message that uh, so many uh, pastors, and speaking as a pastor, so many pastors get this wrong uh, by by claiming that people have to save themselves in some way through their mm. works. Yeah, it, it's a joy. It, it's it is a joy. joy. It's yeah, an amazing gift. So, in in putting people together with um, opportunities for service, do you use a spiritual gifts uh, sort of exam, or do you look at where their um, joy, where their passions are? You know, there have been times in the past, John, where we have used spiritual gift inventories, but honestly, we were not at this point. Uh, what we've kind of moved into is one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations that I guess in some respects, um, we're doing the same thing, but not as intentionally around spiritual gifts, but trying to connect people with things that they're interested in or have experience or ways that, that we know that there are needs in various organizations that they may serve, hoping that 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 kind of uh, that that create there's an affinity already for them. So describe a little bit the effect of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does with us and in us. <laughs> well, that's a that's a big question. In fact, I've got a volume of paper that covers that in, in detail. <laughs> um, but as, as we're talking about here, the Holy Spirit is that that amazing uh, a person of God who calls us to faith, and then who calls us to grow in that faith and to become more and more like Christ. And I guess in a nutshell, that's the, that's the whole work of sanctification, that he invites us to become more and more like Christ. And, and Jesus said, the world will know that you are my follower. So the world will know that you're becoming more and more like me, uh, let me paraphrase, by your love. Uh, in our, that's why love S.A. Is, is our way of defining service to our San Antonio community. And that's really the, I guess, in the context of our conversation, 
The work of the Holy Spirit is calling us to be people who love as Christ first loved us uh, and, to, and to make that message known, not necessarily by preaching sermons, but by living lives that reflect him in our community, whether that's to a homeless person under a bridge down in downtown San Antonio, or whether it's helping out in a, in a food bank kind of a context, or whether it's serving on the board of a, of a local not-for-profit and helping them make wise decisions with the resources that God has provided. So what struggles do you think are unique to our country right now? Oh, my goodness. We, uh, we have lots of struggles. Um, you know, this summer we're, we're working our way through the book of Judges. And uh, for our listeners who may not know, the phrase that comes up over and over in Judges is that there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And I don't think you can hear that phrase, everyone who did what was right. And by the way, that's not a complimentary statement. That's a, a statement that, that introduces the fact that Israel was absolutely in spiritually devastating times. Uh, and people had run amok. There was all kinds of idolatry and, and uh, false worship. And um, even the judges that, that God used to save the people, to deliver them, were really profoundly sinful, broken people. So that phrase isn't complimentary, but I don't think you can hear that without, without connecting to it in our own culture. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so we, we seem to have lost, you know, there was a time where I remember as a younger pastor, people talking about how we were losing objective truth. Hmm. Well, now there is no such thing, right? Everybody does what's right in their own eyes and then justifies it and expects it to be to be validated. And if, it, and if we don't validate that, then we're canceled. And so I think it's a I think it's an amazing time of challenge and struggle. But boy, when it's darkest is when the light of the gospel shines most brightly. And so I think it's an amazing time for us to be who we are to uh, shine like stars in the universe, as Paul says in Philippians uh, chapter 2, to shine that light in the world. But I also think that the culture is doing us a favor because it's it's reminding us that we need to shine brightly with the truth of the gospel in, in uncompromising ways, but to do it in love. We are never given the permission to, to act out of hate anywhere in, scripture, in, anywhere in Scripture. We're called to be people who act and are motivated by the love of Christ. Christ's love compels us, uh, is what God's Word tells us. Christ's love and His truth is uh, objective and universal, and uh, it's that that, that we um, sometimes have to fight against the culture a little bit, quite a little bit. To, well, uh, fight against the culture, lives. fight against the culture, but John, we also have to fight against our own impatience. Yeah. You know, our own rigidity, expecting everybody to understand it, everybody to get it, everybody to agree and say yay and amen, where the fact of the matter is it, it doesn't work that way for any of us. It takes, it takes a work of God over time to change our hearts and to grow us into the people that he intends us to be. So speaking directly to some of the people that have struggles, do you have some uh, favorite um, scripture verses or or uh, thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners as ways of spiritual encouragement and guidance. Well, I, yeah, I've got a I've got a whole bunch of favorites. In fact, we did a sermon series in the spring called "My Favorite," and we invited the congregation to give us their favorite Bible verses. And man, we got a boatload more than we could cover in that series. Uh, so we'll come back to it at various times. 
But you know, John, when I think about people struggling, one of the one of the things that I remember is a time years ago when someone who was very close to me and uh, very dear to me was struggling in their faith, and they had experienced a a, a tragedy that really had them questioning. God and was there a God and how could this happen if there was a God and all of those kinds of things and they were talking with me and uh, they were asking questions that I couldn't answer and I remember desperately praying God give me something to say uh, to these folks and the the thing that came out of my mouth that I later realized was was scriptural was the reality that when people struggle with their faith, frequently they abandon their faith. So if I'm struggling with my faith, I stop going to church, I don't go to Bible study, I don't read the, read the Bible, I don't pray, I just, I just chuck it all, I kick it to the curb and abandon it. And the reality is that doesn't make any sense, especially if we, if we, if we want that faith and we're struggling, we just can't seem to, to find that connectedness to God. And what God put on my heart to say to this person was, the temptation is going to be to do exactly that. But don't give in to it. Continue to read the Bible. Continue to go to church. Continue to engage in your faith and be around Christian people. Don't just chuck it to the side as if it's worthless. If, if, you, if you desire to have that faith and you want to have that relationship with God and it just seems lost, do the things that once upon a time held you close to God. And, uh, you know, years later, that person came back to me and talked about how God had renewed their faith. And when you think about it, that's it's scriptural, right? It, it comes right from God's word. So, you know, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. But the verse that I really love, that at the time I didn't, I didn't know was there. So everybody loves Jeremiah 29, 11. For you know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future wonderful verse that lots of people have memorized. It's one of those classics. But I love what God says through the prophet Jeremiah next. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, God says. And so the, the, the word of encouragement that I would that I want to speak specifically, John, to the listeners is if you are a person who is struggling in faith and in this time, whether it's personal tragedy or cultural chaos or whatever it might be, if you're struggling in your relationship with God, don't abandon it. Even though it feels like God may have disappeared or God may not even be there, continue to seek him in his word, in the fellowship of other Christian people, in all of the ways that you would do if your faith were vibrant, because God says, if you seek him, you will find him. The way we feel is never the test on how close God is to us. He's always there because he promises to be. And there's just so much hurt in the world. Um, you know, so much violence, so many sicknesses and, and things that uh, sometimes people ask that question, where is God in all of this? And uh, thankfully, we have eternity, and we're being saved for eternity, and we're not, to, to quote the phrase, we're not in heaven yet. We have well, And, and just again, as a word of encouragement, John, if, if you are asking the question, where is God, you're not alone. 
Right. I don't think any of us have not been in a place of saying, God, where in the world are you? Or God, how can you allow this? Or something of the sort. We'll come back to our guest in just a moment. I'd like to remind our listeners that there is only one ELM Houston Evangelical Life Ministries. I'd like to invite you to our program's website, elmhouston.org. There you can read more about us. You can find shortcuts to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube accounts. You can also donate to support our work. We have a 501c3 designation, and so you can be assured that all of your donations are going far to help us purchase radio airtime since all of our on-the-air hosts are volunteers. We strive to have a wide variety of uh, interviews with people who are creatively sharing the good news of Jesus Christ at that intersection of where faith meets life. You may also write us at ELM, PO Box 568 Cypress, Texas, 77410. Now back to Bill Tucker. Bill, do you have any uh, uh, ways that uh, our listeners might be able to listen in on some of your sermons? Sure, sure. We uh, we post all of that on our website. If you go to concordia.cc and uh, there's a tab that says media, they can find sermons and Bible classes and uh, all kinds of other resources. Yeah, we love to love to share what we do with anybody and everybody. We also stream services live, John. So on Sunday morning at 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock, uh, our services are streamed live through that same website. you have any final thoughts to uh, share with our listeners? You know, I, just a word of encouragement to all of you at ELM. What a wonderful thing to be devoted to sharing the message of the gospel, to lifting up ministries, and to, and to helping people know and be encouraged in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I was reminded by a, a dear, dear friend and mentor that the church is the bride of Christ. And uh, Jesus feels about his bride the way we feel about our brides. We love and adore them. And so... Uh, I love the fact that you guys are lifting up the bride of Christ and sharing the message of congregations uh, and their their efforts to share the hope of Jesus. You're awesome. Well, thank you. Well, Christ is the only hope we have, truly. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, keeping our eyes on him is what uh, uh, we want to share with others that they may know the peace that we know. Even when the world is going off the rail, so to speak, we know <laughs> that our Lord has not left his throne and uh, we'll see him there someday. Bill, thank you for your time with us, your words of faithful encouragement to our listeners. And to our listeners, we would tell you, join us again real soon for another edition of Engaging Truth. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.